All right. Well, as you can tell by the chairs, we have something a little different for the message today. As you guys, most of you would be aware, our sermon series for August is summer mixtape. So we're just having different voices that are going to be speaking into us. But before I welcome our guests, I just want to remind you of a couple things or put an extra pop in a couple announcements. Everybody say this Friday. Oh, come on. We can do a little better than that. Everybody say this Friday. This Friday is going to be huge. We are doing a Friday night rally with special guest Prophet Emma Starks. And so I know we've been mentioning this for the last number of weeks, but we're getting right down to crunch time. We have rented Evangel Temple. So that's on Young Street, just south of the 401. We're going to put the information out so everyone has all the details. But we just, we felt like we were going to attract more people. We've been trying to invite other churches, invite other believers to join us. And we just weren't going to have enough space here. So this Friday night, 7.30, parents, there will be no child care. So we do apologize for that. But just with the logistics of everything. But we want to encourage you. We've got people coming on Friday during the day. And then Saturday during the day, we have a leadership advance. We actually are very honored to have pastors from around the city and the province and from other areas of the country who are flying in to come be part of that. So it's an opportunity for us to be a blessing to the body of Christ, but then we wanted to open the Friday night up for everybody. So I want to encourage you as part of this church family, be there on Friday night. We are expecting a really great word from God. We're expecting amazing impact. I promise you, you're going to love Emma. It is going to be amazing. And then Emma is also going to be here on Sunday morning. So she's going to be here at our 9 or 1130 service. So it's going to just be an amazing weekend. But I just want to, you know, sometimes, here, here's what it is. The enemy does not want you in these meetings. So there'll be all kinds of things that come up for some of you. I know some of you already said, you're coming no matter what. Don't let a distraction come in. Get there, be part of the night, and let's be praying all this week for it. Amen? We want to be praying. We want to be agreeing. We are believing God to do something very, very powerful in each one of us. So that's this Friday. The second thing I just want to make sure I pop is on Saturday, September 10th. Everybody say September 10th. This is a little bit more of a save the date because a little further out, but we're doing a team day from nine till noon. This is for anyone who volunteers or serves at Toronto State Church or who would like to. And it's going to be a time of some vision. We're going to have some food. We're going to have some fun team building. And we're also going to have some training that prepares us for the ministry year. So please save the date for that and keep that in mind. We just want to emphasize that. But the big thing this week, let's really lean in in prayer and faith and expectation for what God's going to do with the meetings with Emma Stark. It is going to be powerful. And I promise you, you've never heard her before. Just, just get ready. Buckle your seatbelt. Get ready. It is just going to be a powerful, powerful time. So, but without further ado, as I mentioned, we are doing our summer mixtape series. We want to just have different voices speaking into our church family. And so today is going to be a lot of fun. We, we had a great time for service, but I'm going to be interviewing a father-daughter team who just have an incredible testimony, an incredible story of just family restoration, God transforming lives. I promise you, just get ready. This is going to be so powerful. It's going to be something, we're, we're online as well. Maybe you're online. Message your friend. Tell them you need to tune in for this message. You need to just get in here. We'll have the link. This is going to be like, but I want you to join me in welcoming Brian and Bryn Elliott, who are going to come and join me. Got a little full, so they ended up just there. And uh, just welcome them as they come. And uh, we are excited to share. So, Brian has been a, a member of the Toronto City Church family for a number of years now, uh, just because of work and ministry. Sometimes he's here and sometimes he's not. And Bryn uh, is uh, connecting in. She's, uh, well, she'll tell you a little bit more about where she is right now. So welcome, guys. Good afternoon. Um, why don't you just first start off, just introduce yourselves, because you can probably do a way better job than I would. So maybe, Bryn, if you want to start off, or Brian, whoever wants to start, just introduce yourself to everybody to begin. Uh, I'm Bryn, I'm 23, I got saved about two and a half years ago now. Um, I live right now in Kona, Hawaii, and I've been there for the past two years, working with Youth with a Mission, doing ministry training and local outreaches in Hawaii. And yeah, I'm the co-founder of our restoration or family restoration ministry called M46, and recently uh, published my first book. Yeah. And you're going to hear more about all those things in the interview today. So, Brian. Yeah, so my name is Brian, and uh, I'm Bryn's biggest cheerleader and officially now her assistant. So she was, after the first service, signing books. I'm running out to the car, restocking, get everything going. So <laughs> and we were coming in the service. Bryn said, don't say this again, Dad. 
So she said, Dad, you got to wear your Air Force Ones. And uh, so I come in the church, and she looks at them. I had them all tied tightly, and she goes, nobody wears them like that. So she goes down, and then she loosens them, and then I realized how we're sitting, so I'm very thankful for her uh, wardrobe adjustments. <laughs> we, we all need that fashion consultant in our lives, so... Just to start, let's like honor my mom. Like she's the one that continued to pray. I was away, away from the Lord, and decades she just kept praying. And then I came back to the Lord in 2016, and then Bryn. But I'm primarily in the marketplace. That's my that's my kind of my primary ministry. It's what I've been used to. So I operate in Canada, U.S., and Mexico. I've been an entrepreneur since age 28, and then moved into child poverty and run an organization now where we work with uh, third and fourth generation poverty in um, uh, St. John, New Brunswick and slowly expanding that as well. And then most recently, co-founding M46 with my daughter. Awesome. So, so let's dive right in, because really the book and the ministry is very much, uh, really it's a story you both walked out, but Brandon really was very much at the center of what you shared in your story. So why don't you just tell us a little bit of your story and kind of the journey you walked and, and what God did. Yeah, so it's, a long story and there's a lot of different parts so it's hard to kind of like capture it all right now. That's why I wrote the book, so get the book. Um, but yeah, so when I was one, my parents got divorced and obviously I don't remember that. Uh, so I didn't really think it impacted me much. Um, and then at two, my dad introduced someone new into me and my sister's lives. My sister, two years older than me, Abby. Um, and that person ended up being emotionally, physically, and sexually abusive for the next 10 years. Um, at 12 years old, the person was removed from our lives, but we were at a place where we didn't really know how to talk about it or bring it up, um, and we were really struggling with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so for me, that looked like reoccurring nightmares, flashbacks, um, really intense anxiety, and not really knowing how to cope, being so young, I just turned to drugs like right away. And at 12, I was like smoking weed, drinking, doing coke, all of that kind of stuff. And um, over the next few years of my like young teenage years, um, my addiction just kind of spiraled and kept getting worse. And so did my big sisters. And it got to a point where I started breaking into cars, stealing things, hot wiring cars, selling them for parts um, just to feed the drug habit. Um, and then I got caught when I was 15 by my parents and they gave me an ultimatum. They said, you can either stay in Toronto, be homeless at 15 and we'll charge you with Grand Theft Auto or you can go to rehab. So I went to rehab, didn't want to get charged at 15 and I ended up being there for a year and a half. Um, and some parts were good. It was not a Christian rehab or anything like that. Um, it helped me like talk a little bit more about what I experienced in my childhood and the trauma. Um, and I was sober for the time being, but it didn't really give me any like hope for the future or anything to look forward to. It was kind of just like, okay, do the program, leave, either get a job, go to school and stay sober. And all of those things didn't sound fun. So, um, I did want to stay on a good path, but I knew it was kind of like a matter of time. And, I applied for Ryerson in the business program and got in and I had to wait over the summer um, to start and so I was just gonna work and wait and over that summer I ended up getting raped two times and kind of after that any tiny bit of hope that I had for the future or doing well or staying healthy just all left again. I went back to thinking that the world was just like a really dark and scary place and that people were just bad and so I fell right back into drugs. And at that time, my older sister, Abby, was my best friend. Um, I was with her every single day. We had the same friends. We um, had a lot of the same like past and trauma. So she was kind of like the only person I felt like I could really talk to about um, the things that I had gone through. Um, she was in and out of addiction centers throughout her life as well. Um, yeah, so our friends were like the drug dealers, gang members, pimps, prostitutes, like, and I always thought that if those people cared about me and loved me that the bad things wouldn't happen to me, which obviously is not true, but um, made sense at the time. And 
yeah, over the past like six years of really just like struggling with substance abuse and addiction, um, we kind of kept hearing the same thing from like the adults in our lives, which was like the, the road you're on only leads to one place and that's death. And I didn't believe it. I was like, no, we're just having fun and we're young and we'll figure it out eventually, maybe. Um, yeah, so I didn't believe it until it actually happened. Um, on May 23rd, when I was 18, my big sister, Abby, was murdered by people that we thought were our friends. And that was definitely like the worst and darkest moment of my life in the year, uh, year and a half after that, um, I just kept hitting new rock bottoms all the time. Um, I was like 90 pounds. I lost a third of my body weight from stress and drugs. Addiction got way worse. Um, I went as far as heroin. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I woke up every day um, screaming and crying, just like realizing I was still alive and had to live through another day. Um, I couldn't control my emotions at all. I would punch walls, I would pull out my hair, and I really thought that I was going crazy. I did not see any way out. Um, my whole life, my parents, like, they tried the best that they could to, to really, like, fight for me and for my sister. Um, we went to addiction centers, we had a lot of different kinds of therapy, counseling, um, drug counseling, just everything imaginable and nothing ever worked. And actually, um, my sister's funeral was actually here. And my dad actually led the whole thing out and he stood up here with so much peace. Um, and really just like honoring my sister and also honoring the Lord at the same time. And because of who my dad is, this room was filled with like businessmen, pastors, churchgoers, all those kinds of people. But because of who my sister was, the church was also filled with gang members and drug dealers and it's a very large range of people. And my dad actually used her funeral to preach the gospel and probably to people who maybe have never heard it before or maybe hadn't heard it in a while. Um, and I actually sat like in the front row doing drugs in the service. Um, cause I didn't know what to do. I like wasn't functioning properly. I tried to get up and say some things that like did not go very well. Um, but I was seeing like this piece that my dad was carrying cause he had started walking with the Lord, like I'd say a year or two before that. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Two years before that, um, that happened. And I was so confused and I was so angry at the time because the piece that I saw in him, I thought it was because he didn't care or, you know, he just wasn't hurting as bad as the rest of us, but obviously like the most painful, this was the most painful thing he's ever experienced in his life. But he had the like strength and the peace of the Lord that walked him through the whole thing and throughout it all, like he remained the rock in our family. And I don't know what would have happened if he didn't, but um, yeah, the Lord really used him in a beautiful way during that time. But yeah, at my rock bottom, even yeah, a long time after that, still at my rock bottom, I was seeing my dad walking in his faith for the first time and um, seeing how different my response was to what had happened versus what his response was. And I knew that like, yeah, he was like more mature and more life experience and older and all of these things, but that didn't seem like it was it. And slowly I started to get curious about it and he would, for the whole year of that really dark phase of my life, he kept inviting me to like, prayer meetings and into rooms with like prophetic people and all these kinds of things. And sometimes I would go, sometimes I would not go, but, um, usually when I did go, I would go really high. I would sit there for a little bit. People would start prophesying over my future and what the Lord was going to do. I would hear these things and I would get so angry at people. Cause I was like, do you not see me? Like I'm dying. <laughs> like you think I'm going to let, or the Lord's going to like use me. Like I'll be dead by then. Um, and I would usually cuss them all out, slam the door and leave. So I had a lot of apologies to do after that. But, um, but they understood, I think, for the most part. And yeah, so one day my dad invited me to a deliverance session and I didn't really wanna go. It sounded a little bit weird. Like I immediately was like, it sounds like an exorcism. I don't think that I wanna do that. It's not that, it's not that. Um, but 
anyway, I was like, oh, whatever, I'll try anything. Like, we might as well just go. So he ended up taking me to this deliverance session and this lady literally told me everything I had done in my life. Not everything, but like a lot of things. And I was so confused. I was like, how could you know that? Who told you this? Like all of these things. And she was like, the Lord told me like he wants to heal you today. And I did not believe her, but these were things that like, I, I never even told him or like most people didn't know. So like he couldn't even have gone and I was so confused. Um, but yeah, that deliverance session was like the first step that allowed me to like continue to like walk closer to God. It was like the first time I understood what people meant when they said that like the Lord speaks and that even like he's personal, that you can have a relationship with him, that you can hear his voice, that, um, that God like moves through people in crazy ways. Like I just had never experienced anything like it. And I actually went home to my apartment that night and I just lived by myself and had like my first encounter with the Lord. And I remember it's like a really small apartment. So like my room and the bathroom are really close together. It's like maybe four steps. And I was like walking from the bathroom back to my room and my legs just fully gave out. And I remember just feeling the presence of the Lord so heavy in my apartment that night. And I couldn't even get like the rest of the way to my bed. Eventually I like crawled over, but um, I just like laid on the floor, just sobbing and thanking the Lord for showing up in this way and for um, just showing himself to me. And it wasn't like an automatic turning point. There was like a lot of little steps, but it was the first time that like my heart was like really captivated. And the first time that like, I was like, no, I want to know like actually who you are, God. And yeah, after that, my family had been working with like a Christian life coach. Um, and I didn't want to, but eventually Actually, you get fired. You're think like usually like whatever <laughs> I got fired um and then I went to work with her again and she was like I can't work with you and I was like please I do want it this time and she was like you really want it and I was like yeah and then she let me she rehired me so it's fine but I started working with her and just like learning like little by little um, more about like who Jesus is like what it means to walk with him like just really tiny pieces at a time and within three months my whole life was changed um thank you <laughs> Um, and she actually started training me to be a life coach and I was like 20 and I was like, are you sure this is a good idea? Like three months ago I was doing crack. Are you sure like you want me to like work with you and your company? And she was like, yes, like this is the Lord's like, this is what the Lord wants, whatever. So I actually started training with her to be a life coach, a Christian life coach. And then that is actually what led me to YWAM, to Youth with a Mission um, in Kona, Hawaii. And my plan was to go for five months, do ministry training, just to like get more grounded in my faith, know what, what I'm talking about. Cause I didn't, and then come back and like pursue life coaching. And I went to Hawaii. I didn't even really want to go. I was just like checking a box off a list kind of thing. And my life was like fully changed while I was there. And now I've been there for two years never, well, I come back to visit, but like never came back, just fell in love with the people, fell in love with the ministry. And, um, obviously the island is beautiful too. Um, small part, but, um, yeah. And really it's been like two years of like crazy healing. It's been two years of like restoration in my family, um, of like living in this like beautiful, supportive community. Um, really like learning, it feels like almost like learning how to live like for the first time and experiencing life, how the Lord intended it. Um, which like, I never knew was possible. Like experiencing the joy of the Lord for the first time was insane for me. I remember I was on the like missionary base that I live on. Well, I don't live on it anyway, on the missionary base. And I was like, just being filled with the joy of the Lord. And people knew that like I had a past with addiction and like I've recently stopped and all that. And people were asking me like if I was drunk because I was like so drunk in the spirit and I would like act like a kid again. And the Lord just took me back to this like childlike, joyful, like fun, um, like state of being, which like I didn't even have as a kid. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been like 
yeah, it's been a wild year and the Lord has been so faithful in it all. And I am just finishing a degree in biblical studies right now. And I also now work down there, volunteer in the foster care system, which I love. And then I'm 46. Yeah. Anyway. Awesome. Uh, so obviously, just powerful story and journey. And you know, we'll, we'll keep popping the book because as she mentioned, she can barely, like, she's trying to cram it all in. Uh, but one of the things I love about what you guys are doing is it's the journey you're on together and kind of a father and daughter. So obviously, Bryn, you shared your side of the story. Brian, maybe share a little bit what your journey was like through all this because we're talking about some real heavy stuff. And, uh, and maybe just share, I know you mentioned 2016, kind of where you really got serious with the Lord and maybe just kind of give people some context and share what it was like from your perspective as a father for this journey for the last number of years. Sure. So when, uh, I mean, I grew up as a Christian and uh, I thought I knew what Christianity was. I didn't. I left the church uh, very rebellious, even though it didn't feel like that. I was more judging the church and then slowly started inching my way back. And then 2016, I finally decided to make Jesus Lord. That's so why I just gave my life to him. And that's when really in my heart, everything started to shift, that I started reading the Bible for the first time. I began to pray. I began to understand the heart and moved into inner healing, kind of cleansing generational iniquity and generational curses, started to understand more and more about the, just the spiritual realm and moving into relationship with God, hearing the voice of God. And I didn't know that any of this, like Bryn said, we had no idea what Christianity really was and that you know, Jesus is a person. So when Brent talks about joy, like Jesus is our joy, right? That the Holy Spirit not in us is our peace, our joy. And that's how he's able to, to move through us above all circumstances. But that really, during that time, um, both of my daughters were going into addiction and they had faced, uh, like Abby, Brent's older daughter, uh, my older daughter was, uh, I mean, she had gone through just a horrific past with multiple suicide attempts. She went into... Um, <clears throat> different types of crime. And as Bryn said, they were associated with probably the, the dark, like gangs and, and just very, very dark things in the city. And uh, so I wasn't aware of, of how bad things were, but I get to see um, you know, a lot of the symptoms of it. So it seems like we we're kind of going into a bit of a quiet time because they were both in addiction centers going into 2016 and and into the early part of 2017. And so I went into and began to journey with the Lord in that time. And and uh, so Bryn and Abby both came out of addiction centers. And I mean, we threw everything we could at it. I think at, at one point I was spending 40000 a month on addiction centers, therapists. I mean, everything that we could do just to try to keep them safe. And then at, in 2017, uh, moving into 2018, my life began to, to shake. And the girls were not doing well. I mean, they had that safety within addiction when they came out. The world began to influence them again. But at that time, you know, I was beginning to pray for them. Some people that are here now that, uh, that continue to pray who, who God connected me with. And, uh, and Bryn's book, like the star of her Bryn's book is God. But God works through people. So Jonas, could you stand for one moment, please? So this is Bryn's best friend, Jonas. My and, best friend. Uh, <clears throat> and during the darkest times when Bryn did not want to be around her parents, the Lord worked through Jonas and he was like a rock for her. And, so we just have such gratitude for that with Jonas too. And, and really everybody that's prayed, because I know you guys were praying. And so in 2018, I kind of thought things couldn't get much worse as, you know, both the, my girls weren't very good. You know, I was ex starting to experience shaking in the, uh, in the financial side as well. And then as Bryn said that uh, on May 23rd, Abby was murdered of 2018. And <clears throat> when we got the news that she was stabbed, I thought, okay, well, She's into a lot. Maybe this is the turning point for her. Maybe this is the time where it's another wake-up call because the last suicide attempt was, is how we got her into rehab. And what that did is it... Um, <clears throat> so I, I show up at her apartment just to, to see how she's doing, and I thought I'd meet an ambulance there, but everything was all cordoned off and police cars everywhere, ambulances, and so I could tell it wasn't good. Um, but they wouldn't tell me anything. And we got to the hospital, and then we got the news that uh, Abby was actually dead on arrival. And we had prayer teams praying. You know, I'd given my life to the Lord. I had my daughters in prayer. And, and the amount of discouragement at the time and disillusionment and just wondering, like, 
God, how could you ever allow this to happen? Right? And it just, we went to bed that night just really, you know, with intense grief, suffering, um, and really just so many questions to God, right? Because it didn't seem like anything that, that he would ever let happen. The next morning I woke up and I opened my eyes. I remember turning over and I looked and I said to Victoria, I said, oh my goodness, like, I've got joy, right? And uh, I couldn't explain it. It actually seemed kind of crazy. But what God did is he, he actually gave me incredible revelation of his mercy that he allowed his hand to be removed from Abby, that she was on a very, very dark path. And he actually took her home to be with him. The revelation of Abby with the Father in heaven was so strong that that's where the source of the joy was, just the presence of God, the person of Jesus. And then the peace that came over me was... I had never experienced anything. I was, as I w- w- walked with the Lord, I felt peace, but this was a, a whole different level of peace. And as Bryn said, people thought, um, you know, therapists thought I was disassociated from the pain. I mean, I did feel grief. There's no question. There was lots of tears, but the way the presence of God was so strong and then through that, and I remember walking to the funeral parlor um, and on that walk, I couldn't, nobody could even, uh, even function. And I was so full of joy. I literally had to worship God at the top of my lungs. I was walking there on the sidewalk singing, and I'm not a great singer, as Brent Brent always uh, lets me know that. Um, And then uh, then coming into here, we then, a few days later, we did the the service for Abby's funeral here. Yeah, and I, I remember that. I remember that day, and I do remember the joy and the peace that you had. And I, I, myself, I was, you know, I was trying to kind of, sort out, but you know, you realize, okay, God's just working here right now. So, so obviously you work through that. So it's, it's just gone like from, you know, just to unimaginable, like can't even imagine the circumstance you're in. And then you come out and now you enter into a fight for your daughter, just as she, as Bryn mentioned, she goes through this next year. So maybe just talk a little bit about that journey of what you did to, to kind of fight for her and what God did through that process. Sure. So, so right after the funeral, um, you know, we gave glory to God. Like we had the worship teams going and, you know, shared the gospel. And then about a week after I said, okay, this is time for things to turn around. Things can't get worse. And everything kept getting worse. Right. And Bryn started a new trajectory to a, to deeper levels of, of darkness. I mean, she had some up and down, but she was kind of on a, on a, on a, on a deep, deep spiral down. So I mean, we went into really intense prayer over Bryn, and I would try to connect with her, as she said, and, and the more unhealthy she was, the further away that, that she would push me. Like, to get together with her, to have anything meaningful was very difficult. So if your children are, uh, are rebellious, hurting in a way, it's, it's interesting how the last place they'd want to come. And as a dad, too, I mean, I had failed to, give, to instill my daughter with identity in the early years because I had no idea... I didn't know my own identity. I failed miserably at keeping her safe. Like she'd suffered just an, an incredible like abuses and pain. And then um, I didn't envision her life, right? So as a dad, I was broken, hurting. Uh, I didn't have my own identity in, identity in Christ. I was not operating in the fullness of any of that. So I had nothing, I couldn't give any of that to my daughter. So what I started, began to do is go deeper into my walk. And, and part of that walk was uh, dealing with my heart. And as my heart began to shift, now in the midst of all that, like I lost my marriages, I lost, like, like things collapsed all around me. I lost, um, I mean, everything was, everything was, was going, but I, I kind of made Bryn the, the centerpiece. I understood that God is number one and family is number two, business and then church and just the, then into friendships. So I made Bryn like the primary focus. Bryn and I took time off after her deliverance session we drove across the U.S. together, and then we went to the East Coast shortly after that and, and just really began to, uh, to make Bryn the focus. And so it's literally fighting for my daughter because we were, so I lost one daughter, and we were on the verge of, uh, of losing number two. Yeah, and there was that, there's the one story you shared. You guys mentioned it in the first interview that's always stood out to me about after that one session in the car where she was like, do you want to just share that was kind of like a breakthrough moment, or either one of you can mention that. It, it was it was crazy because we did this. You know, I was all hopeful for deliverance because I've seen the power of God because I was working, moving in Christian circles. So, you know, the enemy's got nothing on Jesus; he's supreme. And 
And uh, so Bryn goes into this deliverance session and came out very hopeful, right? With, uh, and Joanna, who worked with her, you know, is, uh, this is what she does. That's her gifting. And, and so as we started to, to minutes later, and, you know, in, in the short time afterwards, Bryn said, oh my gosh, the voices are all returning. And the torment began to set in again. And I wanted to keep her at a hotel there that night just to keep her out of the city before we jumped on a flight to get her to the U.S. Because I just wanted her out of this, uh, this environment for a while. And, uh, and Bryn was on the second floor and over the balcony and shared jump, jump, right? It was, and then she convinced me to go back to the city. And we're driving to the city and we were both so discouraged because it seemed like this did nothing. And then I go to change lanes and... I'm not a great, I think I'm a good driver. You, you don't think I'm a good driver. And she said, careful, dad, I don't want to die. And all of a sudden. Each other and I was like, did you just hear that? When is the last time you heard me say, I don't want to die? And then we just started laughing. And yeah, it was like the first moment that I was like, okay, maybe something is working here. But. And then we took our trip across the U.S. And we had some really great days and we had some really not so great days. And then we ended up in uh, Northern California. And uh, when we arrived, it was a Christian conference with a lot of, a lot of people I know for a global conference. And um, Bryn kind of reverted back to the old, like we were there and she was like screaming, pulling her hair out, throwing herself. I was like, oh my goodness, like every hair on my body was standing on end. And um, so it was just, it was interesting the war, right? Cause understanding how the spiritual realms work now that the, the God is sovereign, right? And uh, nothing happens without his permission. So, so quite often we have agreement with the enemy on godly beliefs, generational, whatever it might be, right? And the, and the enemy has to go through with permission. Quite often the shaking I experienced in other ways was God's discipline and love for me, right? Things that were rooted in my life that were not of God had to be shaken. But these intense moments, they, they create a, a total dependency and need for God, right? Which we don't necessarily have very often. It also reveals what's in your heart. So, in the, by the grace of God, just like he used Jonas in the early days, he now had prayer teams coming, you know, from Transform Our World. And the first one, Bryn was uh, pretty, you were pretty nasty and rude. And then, the, and then she went and got two other women and they started praying over Bryn. And then they got her for a little while and then she hits the wall, slams the door and runs out. <laughs> you know, this is the crazy thing is that her life coach, this was in... Uh, uh, late October of 2019, the deliverance was early October of 2019. And uh, so the people at this conference all get to see where Bryn was, right? And they get to experience, and Dirk and Anita were there. I think, Jim, you, you may have been there too, and, and a lot of others were. And so, but Bryn was on a new trajectory in life, right? And her life coach saw her in a vision, saw Bryn, uh, presenting at Transform Our World at the global conference. And after she finished, everybody was crying, right, in a standing ovation with cheers. And we thought, okay, well, that's really cool, but, you know, that, that could be years down. And I was talking to the, 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 the gentleman that leads it um, in December, right? And, uh, and he said, I want Bryn to give her testimony. And I'm like, you mean next year? And he said, no, in January. And I'm like... I tried to talk him out of it, but he's a, uh, moves in a very, very faithful man of God. And, and he, he was unrelenting. So I, I actually know your life. Do you want to continue on? Oh, um, well, after my life coach had had that dream, um, she, well, she texted me at like five in the morning saying that, like, I just had this vision. You're going to be like speaking at Transform Our World next year, we have a, a year to prepare you. And uh, speaking is not a thing that I was trained in. I don't know. Not something I've like ever done before or felt comfortable with or f feel comfortable with. And it kind of felt really far off. And I was like, oh, maybe, yeah, that would be cool, whatever. And then when... I got asked by Ed to come. I was like, no, because the word was next year, so this is not from God, because I have a year to prepare, actually. Like, I don't know if you've heard this part. And he was like, no, it's in three weeks. And then I realized that, like, three weeks was January, which was next year. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. 
Yeah, but it was like the exact dream she had and the vision that she had is exactly what happened um, when I got there, which it was, yeah, it was an interesting thing and kind of crazy because I was like the youngest one speaking by like 20 years. I was like a baby, baby Christian, like just, just figuring it out, trying it out. Um, yeah, but. And everybody was standing and crying and cheers. It was like, it was wild. And the other prophetic word she had in 2019 is that to be a missionary in Kona. And that was like, I totally forgot about that too. And she forgot about that. And then she ends up being a missionary in Kona, right? It's, uh, and then. Yeah. And that word actually about being a missionary in Kona, that was like at the like worst point in my drug addiction. Like. I was so bad, and that actually, after that word, I cussed them all out. And I slammed the door to leave, and I thought it wasn't good enough, and so I went back and slammed the door again, and then left. Um, But yeah, um, I totally forgot about the word, and then ended up signing up for YWAM in Kona, and got there and realized, like... Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, well, it was crazy because getting to Hawaii was um, definitely a battle. It was actually in the middle of COVID. Um, Nobody was allowed to fly. I didn't really want to go. So I was like, well, if I'm not allowed to go, send me home. Like, it's fine. And I get to the airport and the, um, like, border guy, I don't know, take takes me to like a back room to question me. And he was like, why do you think that you can go on vacation to Hawaii during a global pandemic when no one is allowed to travel? And I was like, I don't know. Like they told me I could go. So I'm just here. Like they let me buy the ticket. I don't know if I can't go, that's fine. And he was actually quite rude and angry at me. And then he was like, well, what are you even doing there? And I was like, I'm going to youth with a mission. And he was like, oh, YWAM? And I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing there? And I said, I'm doing a discipleship training school. And he was like, oh, DTS. And I was like, yeah. And he literally looks at me, looks at my passport, like huge sigh. And then he's like, okay, I can't not let you go on your mission trip. Like he was like, I did DTS when I was your age and it changed my life forever. And like, I can't not let you go. And I was kind of like, shoot. Um, but I was the only Canadian there. And even like the first week I was in quarantine for two weeks, the first week was just by myself. And, um, it was such a blessing, which was like a weird thing to say, but just to be by myself. And the first week was like on hearing God's voice. And I was like, maybe you can hear God's voice, but I can't hear God's voice. And like, good luck with that for you. But, um, Yeah, it was a crazy week just of like being by myself with the Lord, nobody else, no distractions. And yeah, just like, there was a lot of times that like, cause I didn't really fully understand it yet. So I would like write something down in my journal or like draw like a doodle or something and then realize like that like the Lord was like speaking through these little things. And it was literally like the second day I like wrote in my notebook, like my class notebook, like, I'm not going home. And I'd forgot about it. And it was like the tiniest little thing. And then like, I think a few weeks later, the Lord told me like, this is home. Like you're not going home. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to need like a lot of confirmations for this. Like this is a big move. And he told me to like open to the first page of like my school notebook and I opened to the first page and it literally said my writing too. I'm not going home. And I was like, okay. I share one more little why when? So a couple of weeks later, Bryn calls me and she said, cause not only were Abby and Bryn on taking all the drugs and pot all the time, but they were also on anti-anxiety and antidepressants, right? And so Bryn was still on antidepressants when she was there. And I'd seen, sometimes they had forgotten to take them for a period of time because of the things they were into. And I, I, I saw some really, really kind of not good, um, uh, actually, you can go into psychotic breaks and all that kind of stuff. And so Bryn calls me and she goes, Dad, the, the, the Lord gave me a vision, right, that I, I don't need this stuff anymore. And I went, uh, okay. And so I said, so where are the confirmations? And so she told me, and I, I got a check in my spirit. I said, yeah, go for it. And taking them for like two days, I would actually go crazy. And 
if I was ever going crazy, everyone was like, how many days did you forget to take your meds? So it was like, I couldn't just stop. Like there are meds that you have to like weaned off of slowly because it, yeah, not healthy for the mental state to just stop them. And I kept hearing over and over, like, you don't need these anymore. You don't need these anymore. And I was like, um, I'm pretty sure I need these. And the Lord just continued to like use other people and like visions and dreams, all this stuff of me stopping taking my, like, it was like anxiety and depression medication. And he just said to like, stop. And I talked to like a nurse on the base and she was like, please don't do that. Like, we don't want to have to deal with like the consequences of you doing that. And fair, that's fair. Um, but I continued to hear it and I was like, God, like, you know what happens when I stop taking these, like, this is going to be bad. Also very embarrassing. Also, I might get sent home because like, I am not like, I wouldn't be safe for me to be here. And, um, yeah. And so finally, like I, I was fasting one day and I was laying in my room at lunch while everybody got to eat and I was just lying there praying and I had this vision and it was, I had like. Uh, my pill bottle and then my like backup pill bottle just in case I don't know something happened to that one and I went down onto the deck of the base and I opened both the bottles and I was just like I don't need these anymore and I just like poured them all in the garbage can threw the bottles out and then um, everyone on the deck in the vision was like cheering and then there was like three girls behind me praying for me Um, like yeah and so I called him and I told him and I was like you know what I think I just need to like see what happens. Like, I really feel like the Lord is saying this. And like, if he is like, I'm not going to have these withdrawals. He would not tell me to do something that's going to make me go crazy. So, um, I went down to on the deck and I told the nurse, I was like, okay, so the thing is like, I understand your concerns, but I really feel like I need to do this. And she was like, all right, go ahead, I guess. And, um, I like just said, like, I don't need these anymore. Poured them in the garbage literally same as the vision, everyone on the, on the deck like stands up and is cheering. There's like the same girls behind me, like laying hands and praying for me. And I had zero side effects, no withdrawals, like never like needed medication like that ever again, like healed from depression. You know, anxiety is a tough one sometimes, but like, yeah. What's interesting too is she didn't even put that in her book because I mean, that, that's obviously the Lord saying to do that, right? So she didn't want to have people read the book, dump out their antidepressants without hearing from the Lord. <laughs> no, is it not? Oh, no, that's wow. 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 Um, so many things we could talk about here and go on, but that's why you need to get the book because there's lots of good stuff. Um, one of the main things you guys are really focused on, one of the things that I love just seeing this is about family restoration. Can you just share a little bit, maybe Bryn start with just, what God's done in your family is he's brought. So obviously he's brought healing for you, Brian, you shared about, you know, your journey and the healing, but what, what are some of the things that you've watched God do in your family and with family restoration in the middle of all this? Well, like in my really like low points in life, I did not talk to my parents. Like I would be at home, like the least amount I possibly could to like get by. Like if I went for dinner, I was like so anxious to leave the whole time it was, like you said, hard to have like conversations with me because I was so all over the place um, or high. And yeah, and so my parents, I just like continued to push them away. I didn't want them in my lives. I had a lot of like hurt and pain from like what I experienced in my childhood and really blamed them for a lot of it, um, just not being able to like keep me safe as a kid. Um, and I think that like resentment and bitterness just, I, it, I couldn't see them clearly anymore. And once the Lord like led me through like a process of like forgiving them and um, releasing that bitterness and and just giving it to him, I started seeing actually like the amount that my parents did for me, like that they fought for me my whole life, that they they did try their best. Obviously everyone's gonna make mistakes and they didn't know the Lord, but they did what they could with what they had. And you know, every resource that they, they like tried so hard, they tried harder than I did for me to like get healthy and um, survive really. Um, Yeah, both of them, my mom and my dad. And so I got to start seeing them like actually what they've done and, and the kind of parents that they've been and start to get like, just like so grateful for how much they actually have done for me. Um, yeah. So, and it's funny because now, like, my parents are, like, my best friends. 
I talk to them all the time. Even like living in Hawaii, I FaceTime them all the time. Uh, my dad is like my biggest mentor in my life and like I see him every day. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's good though. At least he's truthful. <laughs> uh, and how about Brian from your side of the family restoration, what you've watched God do? Yeah, so with the family, I mean, everything was so bad, really. The only thing, like, I couldn't even connect with my daughter. So the, all I could do was really work on my own heart, right? And what I saw is as my life began to transform, right? Everything around me began to shift. And, you know, that includes Bryn and all the different things I'm involved in. So it's just a, it's that whole process of transformation that goes your heart, right, to your family, and then just begins to go out, um, you know, just really making family the focus. But the thing is, it's, it's a journey, right? And when we trust in the Lord, right, we make him our refuge, our strength, right? That the, I read a, a quote from Oswald Chambers last week, and it was essentially that the, the journey is not ended to a destination, that the destination is the journey, right? That every day with the Lord, right, just learning to trust him and who he is, he's got a great plan for our life, right? And a great plan for every family. And it's just beginning to walk in truth. And um, I mean, we didn't have the privilege of being instilled with, you know, with truth and relationship with God to instill that. And one of my favorite scriptures now is uh, 3 John 1, 4, that there's no greater joy than to know that our children are walking in the truth. And then this morning before the YouTube, uh, sorry, before uh, version, uh, the verse of the day was Proverbs 23, 24, and it's the, the father of a righteous child has great joy. So just the encouragement to begin to speak truth into your children. Um, we talked a bit about print. I learned the power of parental blessing, began to speak blessing and truth of identity over my daughter that I wasn't able to. The journey of sonship and to turning my heart to the father, then able to turning my heart to my daughter and then her response over time, and it's, it's not instant, right? It's a, but God does almost everything through process because process lasts. And, you know, trials and tribulations, as the Bible says, we consider them joy because it's those hardships that empty us of ourselves, right? And, and have us to look to God, but he works all things together for good, which, and again, that produces patient endurance, which then produces character and then a hope in God and nothing else, right? So it's, so he's just building deep foundations over time and, and those foundations as I went deep and then Brynn began to move in, into her foundations and now we're able to, um, to share what God has given us with others. Uh, talk for a second about the blessing, the power of blessing, because we, we are tapping into that a little bit, but just that was one of the, I think, to me, it would have been one of the big keys that I feel like God showed you. So just share a little bit of how you started to understand and activate the power of, of blessing over your daughter. Yeah. So, I mean, again, God connects in the right time according to where you're at, right? He's never going to give you too much. But as you look to him, you begin to see him in all things. And after Abby was murdered, um, the Lord connected me with Family Foundation. And Craig Hill has a book called uh, The Power of Parental Blessing. And they ministered to me, and I knew how to pray at that point, but I didn't understand the power of a, of a father's blessing, also the power of a mother's blessing. Right? And so I began to, on Bryn's 19th birthday, I kind of, I, I had a little bit of equipping, and I got all excited to, just to begin to move into that with Bryn. So why don't I pass it over to you? Yeah, and when he first started to, like, send me these, like, um, father's blessings, I was not in a place to receive them. So I was like, oh, that's a very long prayer. Wow. But I appreciated it, sort of. Um, but over time, like, now I have them all saved and I can, like, go back and listen to them. And, yeah, they're so beautiful. And it's cool, too, because even now, like, my dad will send them to my friends. <laughs> that, like, if, you know, because I guess, well, yeah, he just has a huge heart, especially for my friends, especially the people who have walked with me for so long. I know he sent you, Jonas, one for your birthday. Yeah, that, yeah. so. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a beautiful thing and my friends love it and my friends love him because of it. And you know, a lot of them that maybe don't have the same like father figure in their lives, they're, they're able to look to him and like have that example in their lives. And um, yeah, it's really cute. I was talking to one of my friends the other day and she was like, I talk about your dad when you're not around. Like I, when people talk about parents, I always talk about, well, my friend's dad. <laughs> and like, they will share like, just 
yeah, what a great example of like a father he's been even to them like throughout the years and yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So let me ask you this, Bryn, if obviously from the journey you've walked, if somebody's sitting here listening or if they're tuning in online and you know, maybe they're in a rough spot, maybe they're walking through some of the things you walked through. Uh, maybe they're not going through those kind of things, but they're in a spot, they, they don't really know if they want to have like Jesus and church and stuff. Like they don't, what would you say to them just from your journey and from your experience as somebody's in that place? I think, like, just to put it simply, like, just give it a shot. Like, what do you have to lose, really, to just, like, try it out? Um, you know, the Lord will take, even if you give him a little, if you, like, try a little bit, like, he'll take it and he'll run with it. Um, and, like, yeah, his, his desire is to be able to bring you into, like, the fullness of life that he made for you and into, like, the plans and the purposes that he's had for you since before the beginning of time. And, like, um, yeah. And that there's just, there's so much more to life than like what we can see. And like, um, yeah. And that, yeah. So I think I would just say give it a shot because I was not into it at first. Um, but I gave it a shot and the Lord ran with it. <laughs> and it's still running. Awesome. And Brian, what would you say maybe to, if there's some parents again here tuning in, who are, who are having a difficult season with maybe a child or with their children, what, what would be something that you'd say just from your heart to them or something of encouragement for them today? Yeah, I mean, God is good, right? That God uses all things, all things work together for our good, for those that love him and call it according to our purposes, right? What the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good, right? That, I mean, I used to hear those. And I used to go, well, okay, but what's interesting is as we walk with God, as you hear these testimonies, these testimonies of Jesus, it literally means do it again, Lord, like do it again. So that's part of why we started M46 is to share the goodness of God, that he is so good, right? He's got nothing to do with, with darkness whatsoever. He's, he's perfect, glorious light, like he's perfect righteousness. He's, he's merciful beyond imagination. Like he's gracious beyond what we could imagine. He unconditionally loves every human being on the earth. And so trust has two components in Hebrew. One of them is we have a knowledge of God. We have a knowledge of, uh, of the word of God. But there's also the second component is a heart level uh, that comes from the heart. And that's the experiential revelation that we get of, of who God is, right? So just uh, that God is so faithful. He finishes everything that he starts. And he loves your family, your kids more than you could ever imagine. And that's part of why Bryn and I, like Bryn's book is the inception point of the ministry. And then I've got two books that are coming out right after where Bryn goes from the daughter's perspective. And then I come in from the father's and we're going to begin to release that stuff in 2023. And then we're starting, you know, blogs and Bryn's overseeing the social media, right? So we just want to just give messages of hope and, and life. And we're going to share really like kind of more in depth of, of what God's done in our lives, right? Because those testimonies are where we have, we have to grab a hold of the faith because everybody has faith, a saving faith in us where we can accept Jesus as our Lord. Then faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. But there's an, even a deeper level of faith where the faith of Jesus of our new creation life, where we come into union with him and the revelation of our union with him, where his faith becomes our faith. And that's a gift of faith through our union with Jesus. So as we continue to move deeper in those realms, trust explodes, hope goes, hope, hope becomes like God is our strength, like he is our foundation. So it's just a beautiful process of growing in relationship and relationship takes time. Like everything is, so I like to see things happen fast as you said too, but the, the beautiful transformation is done in, in, in the day-to-day -day relationship. That's really good. Isn't that good? Um, so we need to land this plane. There's lots more. I feel like we're just getting started in the conversation. Uh, Britton, you've written a book. And you've referenced it called Dying to Live. Why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about your book? Um, yeah, so it's, it was, it's been a two-year process of writing, and it just came out in May. And yeah, it's called Dying to Live. And the first half is my testimony. My story kind of goes um, deeper into some of the things that I shared and uh, more. And then the second half is really like beginnings of like walking into a relationship with Jesus and really walking in your faith and, um, and essentially it's like all of these things that allowed 
the Lord to like fully transform my life that like I wish I had known sooner that like I wish someone had told me. So it's me telling that. Yeah. And I wrote it, you know, for people who maybe are going through like similar situations, if they can relate to parts or for people who are curious about Jesus, but not really sure yet, or, you know, parents to get a perspective on maybe their kids' lives, if their kids are going through hard times or have been through hard times. Um, yeah. Well, what I find too, Bryn's book, the first half is a biography. So it's going into, you know, a lot of the detail of her life. The second half is all testimony. And so many people read the second half of the book and it's an overview of the Christian faith, right? It's pretty wild what you've done. And, and people say, how could somebody two years in the faith write with that kind of just simplicity and truth? And it's because she knows the Lord, right? It's because of the intimacy that, um, I mean, I, I know people that are 30 and 40 year Christians that were like, uh, I'm getting revelation. I'm I did too. Like I was reading her book and I've read it multiple times. She's actually on Audible as well. So she has her own voice with her book and it's, uh, it's pretty beautiful. Again, I bought over 300 copies. I get them everywhere. So again, I'm, I'm the biggest cheerleader. <laughs> awesome. So uh, in closer, so we, we do have a table outside and they have books. I will let you know they went like so fast after first service. There's, there's a limited number, uh, decent amount, but a limited number. But we will, if you do, if it runs out and you still want to get a copy, I believe it's on Amazon. And website. Yeah. yeah. And, and we can do that or you can get it through their website and you can do it through the M46 website and, or you can just contact them because they're, they're around, you know, they're here so we can get those books. But uh, just some things I want to encourage you. Cause obviously I think everyone's been really touched by what's being shared. Some great ways to connect and support with these guys. Number one, obviously is to get a copy of the book and to buy the book. Secondly, you can check out their website and uh, the website is up there. And so you can go and check that website. And then third, I want to encourage you. There's an opportunity to financially partner particularly with Bryn and what she's doing. She's uh, taking a step of faith, you know, doing, uh, doing this by faith in ministry. And so I want to encourage you today, number one, there's an opportunity for you to sow something into them and just to support what's happening here. So you can give online, all the different ways you can give here at TCC. You can give at the debit credit terminals. What I just want to ask is please clearly mark M46 Ministries. You can write Brian and Bryn, just something there so we can make sure that gets to them. And we're going to make sure that gets to them as well. And then there's also an opportunity to, part, uh, to partner on a monthly basis. If God's really touched your heart, and you're like, you know, I want to be kind of supporting of this going forward. You can talk to them as well of what that looks like. I do think there's a, a, a card that's come up. And so you can get that or you can go at the table. But again, we're family. We're together. So you can just, you know, they're here on Sundays. You can talk to us. We get you connected whatever needs to happen. But let's bring things to a close, guys. Thank you again so much. Now, what they did want to do, uh, let me just run over here and grab it, is we have three copies of the book that they wanted to give away today. So we'll bring these back up here. Bryn, I'll allow you to do the honors again. So the first one is, does anyone have a birthday that happened in the last week or in the coming week? Any, any birthdays? All right. Oh, oh, we got a bunch of birthdays. Uh, <laughs> Okay, we're going to have to narrow this down a little bit. Anyone in the birthday in this last week? Last week? All right. Oh, gosh. Okay, it's not working well. Okay, anybody had a birthday yesterday? You have one. Okay, he's got a book already, so that's fine. Anybody else? Let's go back. Friday? Thursday? Adrian. All right, come on, Adrian. His birthday on Thursday. Adrian turned 42 on Thursday, right, Adrian? So, anyways, there's one of that. Uh, now, anyone an anniversary in the last week or in the coming week? Anyone wedding anniversary? Anybody? Oh, we've got a hand kind of force raised back there. Come on, let's, there we go, anniversary. And then last, just ask, is there anybody, and you just have somebody really strong in your heart that you're like, they need to have this book. Maybe it's somebody in your life. That's why, is, is there anyone that just would be, oh, we got someone waving right here. They say there's someone in their life that needs to have this book. So obviously there's many more copies out there, but what we want to ask, we do need to, we, we, we went a little longer today, but I think this is, can you guys just pray for us really quickly? So I'm just going to ask them to pray for us in closing, and let's just open our hearts up to receive as they pray and pour into us for just a moment as we close this off. Bryn, do you want to pray first? Sure. Um, yeah, Jesus, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for this time that we 
even just get to sit here and talk about you, Lord. We thank you for um, moments in our lives where we can just be still and set our eyes on you. Um, we thank you for the ways that you move in all of our lives. We thank you for um, every single testimony in this room, Lord. We thank you that um, you've said that we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. And so, God, we just pray that even today that there would just be an impartation of hope across this room, Jesus. We pray even uh, a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit today. We ask that you would just start to speak to people in new ways that um, it would be so clear, Jesus. We pray that you would just continue to faithfully guide each and every person in this room um, in the plans and the purposes that you have for them, Jesus. Yeah, Lord, we just declare, we just agree with your goodness, Lord, with your supremacy. And Jesus, we just, we just exalt you and we just, we just thank you that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we thank you that, Jesus, you become our salvation. You are our righteousness. You are our healer. You are our wisdom. You are our all in all. And we just declare that in Jesus' mighty name, that we would just look to you, we would turn our hearts to you, Jesus, that you became to reveal the, the Father. You made a way to the Father. So Father, I pray right now that everyone, Lord, would turn to the fullness of the Father, turn to their children. Lord, we just declare the redemptive power of the Lord Jesus Christ, just released over every family, over every relationship, Lord, over every heart. Lord, you redeem, you restore. Lord, you're in the business of making the ugly lovely, of beauty for ashes, of oil of, uh, oil of joy in place of mourning. So, Father, we just thank you for that. Lord, we just seal today in every heart in the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. And Father, we just, let's stretch our hands forward to these guys. Father, we thank you so much for Brian and Bryn. Thank you for just this incredible testimony, the incredible work that you've done, but also what you want to do through M46, through this book, through the other books they're releasing. Thank you that they're family to us and we can stand with them and support them. And so we just thank you, Lord, that this message is going to go far and wide and it's going to bring so much hope and so much healing. And there's going to be so many people that come to you. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone agreed, said... Amen. Amen. Well, come on. Could we give these guys a hand again? Thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, come on. We can give them a hand today. What a powerful, powerful. And just to be able to share about it. Yeah, and we can all stand up. Why don't we just stand to our feet as closed? They're just going to run to their book tables, so it'll be easy to get there. So you can get there, obviously, uh, get a copy of the book. If you'd like to chat with them for a moment, they'd be available. I just say, though, you know, sometimes someone shared something. Just remember, there'll probably be a lot of people that want to chat to them, so just be sensitive. Sometimes we get into a deep conversation, but I know they'd love to connect even beyond this because they're family. They're part of this family. Uh, so you can get a copy of the book. You can do that as well uh, and connect more with them. Um, but, you know, I just want to make sure. I know we're very sensitive to time, but if we could just bow our head and close our eyes for a moment today because it would be absolutely somewhat criminal of me to have an amazing testimony like this shared and not give people an opportunity to commit their lives to Jesus. You know, the Bible teaches us God loves us with everlasting love, but we've been separated from that love by sin. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, Romans 3, uh, 6.23 tells us, is eternal life through Jesus Christ Lord. This is an example that God is real. I mean, this is a miracle. The story is, uh, it's miraculous, but this is what God does. And you may not have a story like Bryn had. You may not have a story like Brian had, but you've had your own journey. You've had to walk through what you've had to walk through. And God is here for you just as much as he's here for them. And I love what Bryn said at the end. She's like, well, what do you really have to lose if you really give God that chance in your life? What do you really have to lose? And so just my head bowed and eyes closed as we're closing here today. If there's anybody and you say, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you go, you know, I need to give my life back to him. I've been way off on my own. I need to give my life back to him. I need to come into relation with him. If that's you, I just want you to wave at me really quick. If you say I need to give my life to Jesus or you say I need to give my life back to him. Just with a raised hand, if there's anybody today, just with that. Amen. All right, well, Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this incredible story we've heard and I thank you for hope. I thank you for just faith rising in our hearts, God. We believe for so many Brian's and Bryn's in the coming years. God, of people whose lives are going to be turned and tra turned around, transformed by you. I pray blessing over every person here today. Thank you for just your continued work in our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody agreed, said.
Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. As you mentioned, you can go out to the book table, meet Brian and Bryn, buy a copy of the book. There's a connect table for first-time guests. Please remember, Emma, this coming Friday, we want to see you at 7.30. It's going to be powerful. And uh, have an amazing week. As well, check out at the Youth Fundraising Cafe. They've added a few items this week. There's some iced coffee that apparently is quite good. A couple other items, you can feel free to check that out. But we love you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday.